down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this very freaking special episode of Art of War Down Under. I am joined by the new reigning, defending, undefeated, unconquered, all-conquering Polish national team. I am joined by Pumba, team captain of Poland, and Meissen, two IC pairings, head, whatever you want to call, the shaggy one with the glasses, who is an ass kicker, <laughs> as the rest of the team is, and this is going to be a very special WTC recap episode. Um, the WTC happened the weekend just prior. This is the first time I'm recording an episode in a couple of weeks because I was in Europe. But I am very, very, very happy to be able to sit down with these two fine gentlemen, unpack the biggest, bestest, most excellent 10th edition event that has happened in the world so far and see what went down, what worked, what didn't, and the incredible Cinderella story that is Team Poland getting their first, first place finish in the last nine years. Is that correct? That is very much correct. What a story. Thank you very much, Adam, for inviting us again. We've been here uh, the previous year after the last WTC. It's good to be back with the first place finish this time. My absolute pleasure, boys. Um, So Pumba's just said hello. That's that's Pumba's voice if you need to identify it later. And my son is about to say good day right now. Yeah. Hello, everyone. That's me, my son. That's my voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Um, <laughs> you guys wheel and deal on the Polish um, national team WTC Facebook page, yeah. And is that the place place for people to keep people, to keep up to date with the antics of the team? You know, check in with uh, who was in the lineup and put some faces to the the voices they're hearing right now. That's very much correct. Uh, this year, we tried to uh, actually make the WTC a bit of a show for our. Um, yep. supporters from the people from our Polish community. We've brought a um, person uh, with us who was responsible just for media, and I think this worked out great. Uh, we have a like a really nice um, <clears throat> lineup of things uh, from the event and uh, all kind of kinds of photos, um, round summaries, stuff like that, pairing summaries. Uh, so it's. A nice place to t- uh, keep track of what happened uh, at the event and uh, keep an eye out for anything that will be happening in Steam Poland in the future. Fan freaking fantastic. So, to give you guys a little bit of the rundown and do the preamble very quickly, Art of War Dananda is predominantly a review podcast, usually, if, and for, you know, geez, the last couple of months, I've been reviewing and unpacking indexes. But we like to take a little bit of a break anytime something absolutely freaking momentous happens. This time last year, I did interviews with uh, Team Poland, who uh, came in third place, Team Germany in second, and then Team Australia came in first place at the WTC. This year, just doing Team Poland, guys, but the part two of this episode is going to be an interview and a sit-down, chit-chat, and unpack with uh, Jeremy Martino, who is the pairings head, the wizard of Team Australia in that faction, and we're going to be t- talking about what we've learned from 10th edition after seeing, you know, uh, what, eight games of singles 40k from the best players in the world, and then seven games of teams 40k from eight-pack teams in the best in the world. So there is a lot for us to know and learn about 10th edition. So please join us there over on Patreon if you want that part too. Otherwise, sit back and let us hear this story of how Poland came together to get their first first place in quite some time. Pumba, how did you go about selecting the team this year? I know there's a lo- there are tales, there are venerable legends about how <laughs> Poland goes about selecting their national team and how you put together so many cutthroat murderers every year. But was this year any different? 
I think it was basically in line with what happened, uh, especially last year. Um, so I think this is a kind of a good time. I was also planning to do that later, but I think it's a good time to shout out Typhus, who was last year captain um, for our team, who put the foundation for this year's team success, I feel like, and for the process to run as smoothly as possible, and this year especially, um, with what happened last time. So he was the person who basically, um, I can say myself, he taught me had how to prepare the team for this event in the completely new fashion, like post-ETC, mm. um, post-pandemic world, where everybody got the and the whole like um, 40k scene has gotten very cutthroat, very competitive, and the landscape of the game changed significantly. So the kind of a reform was needed. So the selection process was in line with what's been happening for years. Uh, a team of selectors, three selectors, which was me, uh, Myson, who is here with me, and Duda, who is a legend from our community, who has been to like seven of these. Mm. Um, has been selected and tasked with picking uh, the actual eight that is going uh, that's gonna go and play the uh, championship. Beautiful. Uh, however, the the process has been refined to some extent of how we prepare. Yeah, um, Myson, are you able to expand upon uh, how the team prepares or what's expected from a member of Team Poland? Okay, so uh, first of all, uh, because we got quite a strong community, maybe not not strong strong in numbers, but uh, there is uh, there are a lot of players that are uh, that have that's a huge skill, and so all of them uh, compete so for, for just for eight spots. Uh, so first of all, uh, the most important thing is to, to include not only uh, not only physical play, like going to tournaments and team meetings, but also include TTS uh, as part of uh, preparation. And that was a big point um, the year before. And this year also, uh, we put a, a strict focus on, on TTS uh, uh, screams, for example, with, with uh, other national teams. So every new candidate for a team uh, got an opportunity to test themselves um, in a just competitive environment yeah. with other uh, other countries, other national teams. See, I, I find I uh, find so- TTS so fascinating with how it's been used by national teams because you'd think it was a big risk. You think it was a big risk of letting people see how good you are, pair appropriately, giving away information, and all these things. And yet, you guys have used it judiciously to get to this great point of success. Um, what was the philosophy around TTS, and what did you what did you do it for? Was it just literally for getting more and more reps, or was it for testing list philosophies or list archetypes and seeing what was worth using what was not uh basically everything <laughs> uh to some extent uh um so the first of all is the building testing lists that uh that are not standard so when you come to the tournament you usually play the best list that from a meta game and you couldn't just uh, for example counter the meta game uh without a lot of testing in TTS. It's easier to test some ideas, some strange ideas. Sometimes uh, that can you know, just then provide some a special list that that can be surprising to uh, to, to our opponents. Uh, so that's that's the first 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 thing here. Uh, second thing is just to get used to uh, play um, 
uh, internationally, so players can can test their communication skills, play by intent uh, thing. Uh, it's not easy as um, this year. Uh, we got a quite experienced team because majority of, of uh, guys were, were already with us last year. Uh, there was uh, actually only Victor who, who uh, at first didn't have uh, a lot of experience uh, and uh, he wasn't last year in the team. Uh, so they could test themselves uh, playing by intent communication in English and uh, uh, basically doing the, the um, uh, first place uh, international place mm. with other guys from Fantastic. different countries. Pumba, anything to add to that point? Mm, I think Myson basically summarized it pretty well. Uh, it's just a tool. We need to remember that. It's not a magical spell that just solves your team problems. Uh, it's a tool that, if used correctly can give you immense information on on a particular player who is interested in actually applying to the team. Um, Because you have such incredible opportunity to test uh, such a big amount of players, because what we uh, aspire to do during the selection process is actually give um, a huge amount of people opportunity to test themselves against uh, international crowd. So what we've done is not only um, like lock the, the screams that we've organized to a very select amount of players, anybody who applied to the national team, especially in the earlier stages, so last year, let's say December, November, could possibly play uh, a scream versus any other national team. That gave us a huge field to work and, and, uh, at, at and actually gather information and learn uh, what the sca- uh, player skill was, or uh, if they are lacking something, if they are at the level required to actually go to them to see, right? So even though, yeah, so even though uh, our community, comparatively, especially like tournament community, a competitive community is rather small, we use that tool to test as many people as possible uh, and give them a chance to actually apply and get a fair judgment. That is exceptionally cool that you get to, like everybody gets a chance to test out for the team essentially and feel the level that you need to be operating at in order to, to be selected. And then, you know, at least people can't be like, oh, it's a boys club and, you know, oh, this guy only picks his friends and such and such and such. It's a very bipartisan way you guys are going about it. I respect it a lot. Um, talking about 10th edition. Like, obviously, it was not ideal that there was, what, two months between 10th edition's release and the WTC, requiring a huge amount of preparation and learning. Um, Myson, how did you approach learning 10th edition, and how did you make the most of the time that you had in order to be, you know, the best player you could with an extremely new edition? So, uh, personally, personally, I just approached uh, to, uh, to the topic of 10th edition, that I basically stopped playing 9th edition in May. Already, so I can could clean up my head, uh, just forget the stuff, and prepare myself. Only focus uh, on tenth edition. I uh, resigned from playing any uh, any ninth edition uh, events because yeah, just basically I knew we already knew that tenth edition would be based on different, maybe the same mechanics, core mechanics, but uh, the scoring system the the, the, the will change. Uh, so basically how you approach the game uh, from a competitive perspective, um, this, you need to change your, your uh, mindset about how do you 
approach the game. So that was my my personal way to to, to prepare. Uh, just to, uh, forget about ninth edition, mm. focus on ten. And when the when tenth edition dropped, I just read a, a lot, a couple of times. Uh, I read the rules, uh, indexes, stuff. And then try to design some list and, and start basically start playing games. Excellent. What about yourself, Fumba? Generally, I kept playing ninth until the very end, but we were painfully aware that tenth is coming. Right? So let's not beat around the bush. I think everybody expected the edition to drop uh, around July time yep. or uh, July time. Exactly. Uh, so. Actually, we, we realized that the edition change is coming during the selection process, almost at the very start of it, I think. When we knew that one of the biggest requirements for every single player in the national team that's going to be, going to be selected is adaptation. It's, it's just their ability to adapt to the new meta, to the complete change in the rule set. So we couldn't rely on people just stagnating, for example, on one army, one list. We needed very much to, um, during the process of selection, selecting the team, test their ability to play different armies, to adapt, yeah. to uh, find rules, to create uh, innovative lists, because that will all would be required mm. at the dawn of the new edition. So do you think it's safe to say instead of people playing... Uh, becoming, you know, specialists of certain factions, people had to become specialists at certain styles of play or certain archetypes, you know, aggressive, defensive, horde, MSU, elite, things of that nature? I think that's a good assessment. Um, it's still a variety. Um, so, for example, um, I think the biggest, like, counterpoint to that would be Gitto, who's our Necron sprayer. He was there at the last uh, WTC. He was actually the uh, biggest scorer in the team last WTC playing Necrons, and he is just the definition of a faction specialist. At the same time, I think he's one of the just the best players uh, in Poland in terms of actually playing at the table. Um, there is no other person that's so precise, so incredibly talented when playing the game of 40k. And I think we kind of trusted that um, if time comes, if need be, this skill will still translate yes. to other army yeah um, so even though he was a very much a faction specialist he was a constantly able to innovate within that faction when mm. the meta changed so he proved himself that way exactly right and you're, you're absolutely right there are some factions that have a that have enough depth that as long as you have the right player there will be a list for them orcs was another good example i think um, we've all discovered if you had the right orc player at wtc they were they were going to be worth taking um uh, Myson, you ended up playing Gene Stealer Colts. Can can I just ask you how many games you had with Gene Stealer Colts <laughs> before playing at WTC? Uh, I personally, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite, quite a lot. It's, uh, just uh, uh, we got like every weekend. Uh, uh, you know, there was a tournament or team meeting. Uh, coming up, so I basically played the games nearly every day. Uh, to, to be honest, I didn't use TTS much uh, in, in the pre preparation in the last month because there was such huge number of uh, live events coming that I just didn't have time to, 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 to play TTS even. 
because we we did a, a tournament uh, uh, with national other national teams, just a preparation tournament, a month before uh, WTC. So we tested ourselves against uh, Team Netherlands, Team Belgium, Team Scotland, and Team Denmark. Uh, that gave us a lot of insight uh, into a metagame state and uh, how to do pay rigs properly in, in tenth edition. Uh, then we got uh, um, there was even before there was a team tournament in Poland happening. Uh, after that, we got one team meeting uh, in in, in uh, my city. There was another team uh, meeting in in Warsaw. Then was another team meeting uh, in my city. So, uh, for example, a week before WTC, I spent like five days with uh, Victor, just playtesting Custodis and GSC. So we played this matchup uh, quite a lot of times, uh, like five times, specifically three or three to five times. I really don't remember uh, how <laughs> right now. Uh, with just because you, if we playtest a game, it's not just playing a single game of 40k. It's like analyzing. Other options, doing variants, uh, how to do, uh, for example, turn two into two variants, uh, analyze what can happen after that. And uh, we are quite well prepared for uh, a couple of specific matchups, especially uh, Custodies versus GSC or GSC versus Astrum Hitarum that basically made a profit WTC. So that's an interesting thing because you, you prepared, prepared for certain matchups more than others, even before you knew if other if other other teams were taking that or if the pairing was going to occur. Is those the things you were just so confident that you were going to need to know? How did you know beforehand that that was what you needed to practice? Uh, so basically, uh, we didn't know for sure, but uh, we easily could uh, say that... Uh, What's the top three or top five of meta picks yep, uh, yep. In, in the game? So basically, Custodies, uh, Eldari, and and GSC. Uh, we knew that every competitive team will play mm, this three arms. Yeah, almost certainly. No. And we need to play test at least play test every of matchup uh, matchups within this this top three, top five armies uh, be yeah. sure uh, about the score what can yeah. arrive from that. Well, that's, that's certainly true. I think uh, everyone admitted that there wasn't a, a great way to get a win off Eldari, but everyone needed to be ready to take points off Eldari. Is that correct, Pumba? That's very much the case. Yeah. I think that's, that's the perfect explanation for that. Mm. In terms of general preparation against certain matchups, I feel like um, there was a group of armies that everybody expected to be in the 8th. There were some very certain picks, say Eldari. I think the top 3 would be Eldari, GSC, and Custodies. I think that turned out very much true when we look at the statistics. Uh, so those particular armies, everybody needed to have uh, pre- uh, playtested, prepared for, and have answers for. Let's be honest, nobody in the world would be able to playtest every single matchup that's possible in the WTC in the two months that we had. Legitimately, you would have wasted a bunch of your time if you did. Why did you need to play against Death Guard? (laughs) It's not going to be there. (laughs) Exactly, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that was a very deliberate choice to Mm -hmm. assess where we need those preps to have the, the biggest impact possible. Yeah. During our games. And while you might not end up playing as Eldar, 
if your list is bad into uh, like Eldar, GSC, and Custodies, you are just like, well, I need a different list because if it can't hang or get points off any of these top three factions, which are always going to be in every lineup, can this list? Can I take this list? Is that a good example as well? Yes, absolutely. <coughs> mm, or at least be um, very much aware. I think this is uh, going a little bit de in depth into how we build the team comp itself, but our philosophy has always been to have uh, answers in pairings to most armies that we might encounter. And whereas it was a little bit easier last year, I would say, to assess what the meta is going to look like uh, compared to the very brand 10th edition, you had certain armies that we were sure are going to... Um, arrive at the WTC in large numbers. So we needed to at least at the very least have those very much locked in uh to not be a problem in the pairings process. Well let's go and have a look at the factions you guys um took and I'll quickly for people at home give a an archetype of what kind of list it is because I'm not going to go through every every unit. Um starting from the bottom uh we have Lishu on uh Dark Angels which is, this is actually a crazy list because you hear about this list on paper and you say, and you think, this is a bad list. Why have they done this? Um, as a Dark Angels player, I saw this and I got super excited because I really want to play this list. Uh, six aggressors in a Land Raider Redeemer with 10 um, Deathwing Knights and then a huge amount of mission play in Inceptors, uh, Attack Bikes, Sniper Scouts, Thunderfire Cannon, uh, and then a bunch of uh, bits and pieces characters, like uh, an ancient uh, Terminator Captain. Apothecary Biologist, this is really cute. So you put the Bolter Discipline on the Biologist with the Aggressors, and then they can actually just kind of hurt and kill everything. Uh, it's, it's really quite a cool combo. Um, then we have uh, Victor with his... Um, uh, custody guard. He's got a pretty, pretty standard list. One medium, one big unit of custody guard. Two by two Alaris, uh, some custodians, and then Calidus uh, and Exaction squads. <clears throat> I said I wasn't going through every unit, but I am. Uh, <laughs> Gaito, who and has, here we are. who has, um, who was playing Necrons, pretty much. Um, uh, a lot of MSU, which I thought was quite interesting. Double Doomsday Arc, uh, some uh, a lot of destroyers, and uh, the mm. two by ten Lich Guard, and then uh, Mycin who, you know, it's it's GSC. <laughs> we don't need to really explain it. Lots of... lots of No uppers, though. Yes. No uppers. So that's <laughs> very, very important, actually. The same as Team Australia, in fact, who also took no aberrants. It was all just Acolyte Bombs and Neophytes and two Ridge Runners, which I thought was very interesting. Maybe we'll ask, I'll ask you about that in a minute, Myson. Um, Duda, who had Eldar, who cares? Not impressed, Duda. <laughs> Fugan, though, come on. <laughs> I know, it was cool, right? It was so cool. He had, he had a Fugan in his what list. Have you seen Fugan at the table? No, and he actually had Guardians as well, like actual Guardians. Yes. It was kind of yep. yeah, kind of spice. Um, Pumba, yourself, mate, who you had a um, Magnus, Sorcerer Heavy, Infernal Master, T-Suns. Everything else was pretty stock standard. A lot more um, Rhino-centric than a lot of others. Still had the Blue Scribes. No Changeling, but did have Flamers as well. Crazy Man, who had the Tau, which was very interesting. Um, one unit of uh, broadsides and then three crisis units, one big, two mediums. And then lastly, we had the literal GOAT, the greatest Team 40k player of all time, who now has five freaking championships, Skark, who was playing uh, Guard, who you know predominantly is an artillery battery, we you know Gaunt's Ghosts, uh, some bits and pieces and whatnot. Um a decent size, a unit of Bulgren as well, which I thought was nice. But apart from that, he's literally just going to blow you up and uh, have a couple of hellhounds. 
That is the eight-pack lineup, and there is some spicy stuff in there to unpack. We'll start with um, we'll start with the one you, you mentioned as a bit of a laugh. We'll start with the other one. Get out of the way. Why Fugin? Uh, because he gets up on a two plus. He is basically the second character with a feeding stem, which is crucial. It's like a lot. Even though he has no alone operative, he's relatively tanky with a two up save, four up invon, five up field of pain, I believe. I'm a little bit spitballing, like off the top of my mind, what his defensive profile is. Mm, but the fact that he gets up on a two plus at the end of the phase actually means uh, he's a pain to remove and gives you a very nice objective play, especially useful in the mirror. I totally agree. Well, especially in the um, or the shooting. Uh, matchups, which you know, I hate to tell everybody, that's most of the game is is shooting. Like ninety percent of all the best lists were like shooting lists, and so when you can just be like, "Lol, I get to exist on a midboard objective for a whole turn, and there's nothing you can do about it, and I want you to shoot him because it's a waste of your time." Like, it's a really powerful piece. <clears throat> um, yep, it's a it's a very nice tech piece. Like, he could have been replaced with any other um, unit, like another unit of Spectres or Spiders, but I think um, the fact that Dudat just found this little uh, piece in the Codex that everybody missed just um, made a big difference yeah. in some of the matchups he and played. See, much the same as <clears throat> Team Australia as well, you have a, quite a few off-meta picks or picks where you would take the list that everyone knows is the best list and then alter it a little bit. So it functions, uh, it functions, you know, 20% differently um, in matchups and pairings and that it's unique enough that people can't or won't bother preparing for exactly your version of it. Is that a reason you didn't take the aberrance? You just wanted to be a little bit more tuned, Myson? We knew that there are two archetypes of uh, GSC lists. So one with aberrance, one, one with no aberrance. And I've actually played two, two, two tournaments, one, one, one tournament with Aberrants and second tournament with uh, no Aberrants list. Uh, the decision was basically, uh, maybe, uh, our, my conclusion from that tournaments was that Aberrants list kept, uh, has a bigger potential of uh, delivering high, higher scores uh, in the matchups, but there's a huge problem. There's no stability in this list because you can easily outplay aberrants like removing five five six models from the unit and then just not forcing uh, the potential resurrection and four free aberrants are just doing nothing because you can easily um outscore uh, the oc uh, yes you can yep. they need to pass battle shock and stuff and basically and three four aberrants are not scary they, they just don't, don't kill stuff and you can easily block uh, it with something basically what gives you a uh, mm, good player will know how to outplay aberrants then there was a second topic like uh in the pairings uh, uh there's a huge chance that there will be uh in the last four uh, uh four pairings to be done that's four uh there's a huge chance that there will be a mirror opportunity mirror matchup opportunity against GSC versus GSC because uh, GSC is, is usually a, um, an attacker list, it's not a defender list, and they will be kept uh, to the just final four. And Aberrants just do, don't do anything in the mirror yeah. matchup. Yeah. They're just a piece of, uh, of garbage in, in the middle <laughs> They don't have exactly right. They they don't have any big units for them to hunt or bully. 
and, and then you just use like any unit to just block wow. them in their L that they're in, and who cares? They can come out and they'll kill something. You just kill them, and they they traded yeah, down just points. Use, just use one acolyte squad. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're gone. It's it's a it's a bit stupid. Like they're four hundred points, and you remove it with one hundred hundred and fifty. Because well, that, but that's saying more about how dumb acolytes are. I think right. <laughs> 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 yeah, they are. Fair, That's fair statement. The, yeah. the, the best weapon in the in the 40k universe is uh, a pack of dynamite. So. It is it, exactly right. Um, switching over to yourself, Pumba. Um, in the lineup in the eight pack, um, you took some very unique choices. I think the Dark Angels and the Tau. Uh, scream as ones that would not have been conventionally thought of. I think a lot of people took Death Watch, and after talking to so many people there, everyone kind of, I kind of echoed the same. Um, Space Marines were kind of not good enough at the event, and a lot of people, a lot of people did not take Space Marines or took very unique or skewed Space Marine list. Is that the same as as your thinking? So I'm gonna. Uh... I mean, I'm I'm gonna use this opportunity to just let all my hot takes out, uh, <laughs> as I am now the actual winner. So I'm I make history, right? Your hot takes are hotter, uh, and right? I will <laughs> I will just put it out there. I think Deathwatch is straight up garbage. Uh, I, I think agree. that army is not good. I, I think <laughs> a lot of people very much focused on the fact that. It is the one GSC counter that always wins. I think that's still useless in the pairings process. I think you are never going to get that matchup if you are playing any anyone uh, like remotely competent at the other side of the table doing the pairings. So that actually is not a useful tool. So it's a fallacy, right? To believe exactly. Yeah. Uh, while they will have a lot of mad, bad matchups, and I mean a yeah. lot of them. Yeah. So why did you settle on this Space Marine list? Why take Space Marines at all? Because that list is just fantastic. It is. Uh, really I'm going to be cool. honest. I I think I think it's my favorite from our lineup. I'm going to play it. By uh, the way, it I, might I, have legit. not. <laughs> I, I like. I, it might have not performed uh, as our biggest score. But I think it was definitely the most consistent. It was pretty much the easiest to pair through, like from all our armies, not like considering Elder. Although Elder are kind of, <laughs> it's gonna sound stupid, but Elder are difficult to pair in a sense that you are very much trying to get them at twenty every single time, and it's very um, important that they get that good matchup. Whereas those uh, that particular Space Marine list went into almost anything. I think it, across the board, uh, against every single nation we've played, it performed as our um, anchor, something that we could throw into almost anything. And its biggest, absolutely biggest strength was pinning custodies. This list wrecks custodies, which is amazing. As a tool, in a, in it, when you have that opportunity in your head, hand as a uh, as a captain as as a person doing the pairings, it's just incredible. Yeah, it's just power. Um, it's fascinating you say that because like a lot of people will be looking at this on paper and not really understanding what it does. And I just think it has what one of the one of the the things that I think space marines do the best is that they have the right amount of scoring units with lone operative. 
and the right amounts of cheap um, a kind of surgical units like inceptors or tack bikes, you just get to be like, well, I don't get 20 even I, it's just like I don't get twentyed, so let us work from there. Like, what are you? Are they, what now that I don't get twentyed by anybody? Maybe elder. Um, what units do I put in to to make sure I get twelves? Now, where do I get fifteens against? Uh, who do I get eighteens against? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Really exciting stuff. And I think I this is the list in the entire event. This one and um uh, Olivier's list from Team Team France with the the Black Templars. They're, they're the two lists I want people to look at for what you want Space Marines to do at this level. Um, and I, I think. Is, Wait, would you, could you imagine bringing a land raider uh, redeemer? To no, the WTC? dude. It, 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 that's it's the it's the second it's the third bully unit because a lot of people look at it like the, this unit like it has the aggressors to bully people at times if if they're the right thing for the matchup um, with the, all the bolters and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. It has the deathwing knights to bully when people are all damage two, take them damage one, don't care, push push on people uh, or rapid ingress whatever, and then uh, the redeemer to just drive into the middle of the table and Overwatch. You would not believe how many things this Redeemer has killed. I, you told me. You literally, you literally told me that it <laughs> killed like so much stuff. It would kill multiple like big knights, and yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, so that that was definitely my favorite pick. Uh, just seeing uh, Leshu, who is a veteran of the game, bringing the thing uh, into our practice with just a pile of dust, mm. like just literally scraping the dust off of it because he's been <laughs> sitting in his. Um, box or a shelf somewhere for the last 15 years and yeah. actually performing with the unit was just incredible absolutely um Myson, uh, over to you so you were you were doing a lot of the pairings and a lot of the i guess i, I, I assume assisting with team composition um team poland is world famous for flipping matchups Last year, notably, the most famous one was the Harlequin matchup. You guys spent, I think, I think the gentleman I had on, I can't remember which of the the wonderful team members we you guys had, um, but that person played like 80 reps in order to make sure they 20 owed Eldar every time, and then they 20 owed yeah. Australia. Yeah, that was my. Uh, that's who I thought. I thought, <laughs> that was it, was it. I thought it was. That was exactly. Yes, I, thought, exactly. I was pretty sure it was you. I'm pretty sure I had you on last year, but I, I wasn't 100. I felt I felt guilty. Um, did you guys work on anything similar to that this year? Uh, we tried to find something against Eldari for for uh, because we knew if we, for example, find a counter for for Eldari, it's, it's, it will be uh, it will be easier to to to, to win uh, the whole event. But yeah, the Eldari was just. Yeah, the, the, this codec, this index is just too strong to, to find a direct counter uh, and. Always, you need to, to have at least two or two of that. Uh, but uh, I think that so what we have found is uh, a direct counter to Castodis. So we took uh, we had two uh, two anchors that could win against Castodis. The one list that Pumba mentioned uh, it was Space Marines, and the second was was our guard list, which was designed to just smash Castodis, make twenty out of it, regardless. Regardless who started the game and regardless of the mission, uh, it could win against Custodes. And uh, just results show how, how what was the score of, of our guard list. And basically, slowing down uh, breaks of Custodes uh, wardens and, and, and guards and then killing them with art artillery hellhounds, which uh, remove cover and have. Also, good good uh, profile. Uh, 
it was all designed to just flip uh, match up with Castellis, which we already knew after the tournament uh, with uh, preparational uh, uh, tournament with national other national teams that Castellis is a very good uh, first or second defender, and we need to counter um, Castellis as first and second defender. So you, you made, sure, was, uh, made sure you had had something to able to twenty custodies if they ever tried to use them as a defender. Um, did you do the same for Gene Steeler Colts? Uh, not at all, because we knew that the Gene Steeler Colts is uh, not a defender army. Yep, uh, it's more like an attacker, so we didn't need to do that. And mm-hmm. uh, for example, against uh, GSC, you can put Necrosis attacker, and yep. it will be. Around the draw, so we yeah, exactly. didn't have a problem to to attack uh, GSC. Uh, table choice choice usually mm, just doesn't matter in this in against GSC. Uh, so there's no advantage of GSC going mm. against defender, and uh, just straight up losing points as GSC as a hitter army is is uh, is bad for a team. So yeah, uh, so we didn't expect. Yeah. Um, Transitioning over to Pumbaa for a moment, how do you identify what armies are going to be attackers or what armies are going to be defenders most likely? Mm, that's a very difficult question. It is. It's, um, it's a very deep question as well. Yeah, it's, 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 it's complex. So, uh, first of all, it's just, a, it's just an assignment that actually you give to the armies. Because as many teams have proven over the past weekend, any army can be anything. And actually being flexible in making those decisions uh, can very much throw your opponent off. So that's just the baseline that you are working off of. Um, you must always remember that this is only the, like the baseline, your kind of a scheme that you're going off of, but not necessarily the holy truth. And anything can be uh, defended or attacked with. I would say um, a good defender list is something that having that first board choice uh, is, is just the definition of a good defender. Will score points against every single army of the game. And for us, those um, main def- uh, first defenders, second first defenders we've used this tournament was Gido's Necrons with two blobs of Village Guard and the Custodies list. Um, big part of our prep this year was a Pura Cup tournament organized by Myson himself uh, for, which we, yeah, for which we invited uh, other WTC teams uh, from across Europe, uh, including Scotland, Denmark, Netherlands, I'm forgetting people already. Uh, Belgium was there. Uh, if I, <laughs> I will surely uh, just forget one or, or something. <laughs> but that's all. There was a second second Polish uh, team. If, just because yeah. uh, basically, it, it was a huge practice weekend disguised as a tournament yeah. uh, where we could test our theories about 10th edition. It, yes. And it was invaluable. Uh, the amount of stuff we learned just by actual practice against actual national teams mm. uh, during the pairings and finding things basically um, on the live organism, not in theory, was n- like nothing else in this world. Fantastic. I think this is legitimately the thing that made made us win WTC, and I'm not kidding. You. That is really I've cool. I've learned so much. 
That is really, yeah. really cool. Um, all right, we're going to quickly run through your lineup, and you just pretty much tell me if you saw this list as an attacker or a defender, just so people at home can get an idea of what the kind of archetypes or styles of list fulfill roles at this level. So I, I think you've already said that um, you saw the Dark Angels as an attacker. Yes, but as, definitely. As, but, a pin, yep. mm-hmm. a pin for Custodes is the main thing. Uh, very good into a lot of other matchups, like yep. spa- other Space Marines, uh, Chaos Demons that they may encounter, uh, possibly drawing GSC as well. Um, Myson, one second before we jump back. Could you define what a pin or a flipped matchup would be for people at home who may be unfamiliar? Uh, so pin is uh, something that we use as a, um, as a definition as a two attackers to a specific defender. So until these two uh, two pins, so two attackers the, are in the team, are in the, um, can be used. So um, until they are in the in, in use, that particular defender could not be uh, used properly. Yeah. Because yeah. for example, if you use Castodis, you get two counters. Well, uh, and pay rank one by, by us. Uh, so that's particular a pin uh, for for, for stamping means. Excellent. And what does it mean about a flipped matchup? Uh, flip flipped matchup is a matchup when you uh, know that your opponent uh, just estimates as a win, and then suddenly it, uh, after the game it's uh, the other way around because you use. A specific tech, specific tactics that uh, just works against list, and you are aware of that. Yeah. So there, that opposition team will be seeking a matchup, thinking on on their data, thinking it is a successful or positive matchup. But you have secret tech, you have ways and means, or technology, or decisions, strategies that mean it is that is incorrect, and you flip the matchup. And th- this, these are the things that is the the biggest way, or the biggest, most dramatic way you can win and lose rounds. Is that correct to say, Pumba? Absolutely. That's a, a basically a great definition. Excellent. Um, all right, go. Ahead. So we got, we've done uh, list issue. Uh, we have the da, 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 we have the Necron list, which you said was also a possible first defender. Sorry, mm-hmm. second, first or second defender. First or second defender. It always depends on the team you're coming up against. As I've, I've said mm-hmm. previously, you must be always flexible and looking for yeah. your options. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely good for, uh, defender. Very hard to effectively counter and get uh, a massive score out yeah. of uh, with the board choice. So it was a beautiful balance of MSU plus Doomsday Arcs plus twenty Lich Guard. Um, I actually think I actually really like this Necron list. I think this might be the one of the best Necron lists in the world, if not the best. Um, it's definitely the best Lich Guard list, I believe. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, a special shout out here uh, because, as you've previously mentioned, uh, this list has a, a has a lot of destroyers, which was very necessary, as we expected. Necrons uh, might just get attacked with um, Elder, of course, right? And because of that, uh, you are expecting uh, people to bring Wraith Knights into the mix. That list has actually enough anti-tank vehicle damage uh, to blow a Wraith Knight just by its shooting itself, uh, which is crucial. It can actually flip that matchup if someone is not careful enough, if he's trying to get a huge win out of that Necron list, it will get blown to pieces. Yeah, exactly right. And it's got a lot of single, like, uh, two by, so three, three, two heavy destroyers, which I actually like a lot because they're 135, so 50 points less than the Doomsday Arcs, but 
when you know a wraith guy, a wraith knight puts a whole D cannon, uh, sorry, a whole um, wraith cannon at you, you still have enough wounds that they might fail, they might go over, might go under. If they roll a six, they kill one, and who cares? Um, so unless they roll a six, they only might only kill one, and then and who cares? Like you, you move on. I think that's a that's a cool little piece of tech there. Um, uh, Myson's GSC, whatever. Who cares? No one's impressed, Myson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I didn't invent anything new. <laughs> I do. I do think you have a type now because I remember your Harlequins list last year was just like uh, boys in boats go fast in face and just it's is yeah it's on brand. Um, uh, Duda, who's pretty much got a uh, pretty st- apart from Fugin and the defenders is pretty uh, sorry um, guardians is pretty much just a standard list. It, it just it did have the Wraith Guard, which I found was interesting because I remember in the singles, none of the Wraith Guard Eldari lists made it to the finals. Three of there was three or four top four Eldari, and none of them had the Wraith Guard in it. Was this just because? Yeah, well, well, I do. I can see a world where singles is better for having more models, more units. But Wraith Guard's very cheap, three hundred and ten points. It's not you're not giving up that much to put them in your list. You're really not. Uh, actually, before they got nerfed, just I think it was literally like one week before the list deadline. We were running twenty of those bad boys, and it's, you can oh. see, uh, like the the aftermath of that in the Scottish and um, Dutch lists in the WTC. They were both running twenty race guys. Wraithguard still, and that is because during our prep event, dude, I was ranked 20 of these bad boys mm. still. How did you, so I, I, I did skip over the GSC because I thought it was funny, but going back, uh, did you, so you got, you guys used GSC as an attacker. Did you ever find your GSC uh, in trouble of being pinned or not being able to take certain matchups? Yes. Definitely yes. Uh, mm. I think the biggest example of that uh, was against England. In the very last pairing, I felt like uh, the English were doing everything to pin that GSC matchup um, with the, their elder, who was very specifically, in my opinion, at least stacked to um, play that matchup very well of two Wraith Knights and an Avatar, all things uh, basically reducing the damage of the Seismic Cannon and the Demo Chargers by half at least, uh, and their Death Watch. Uh, so this is where we felt GSC might actually struggle. Overall, I think this event kind of showed that GSC are ridiculously good, yes. However, they are nothing close to Elder They're, levels of ex- broken. Exactly right. They are very vulnerable to matchups. So this is the thing also about GSC. Um, GSC don't put up 20s. They get in singles... You know, you get one point wins, five point wins, ten point wins, happy days. In when you are the second best army in the game and you can't fifteen five somebody because they're just they just have ten reps into GSC and it's just not that kind of army. So essentially, you just don't let yourself get tabled by acolytes and you get you get a fifteen five. Like you know, um, it's um it's kind of it's kind of crazy to see how different and how vulnerable they were when people could attack them or people could pressure them into matchups. And you, it's really interesting you say about the Eldari matchup because I found a lot of teams were trying to get their GSC into the Eldar because they were afraid of them getting a, a small win or no win versus other armies, but they could still get a small loss versus Eldar, which was actually a lot of other factions could not. 
Is that something you guys saw as well? Actually, actually, Mason, did you play against Eldar many times? Before we play tested, we could uh, with Duda uh, a couple of options, and it all depends on the Eldar list because uh, there are, there were a couple of lists. For example, lists without uh, Wraith Knight or single Wraith Knight, a low low board, board presence that I could could just smash with GSC and and take a win. Uh, there's one list that got me troubles. That was money money's list uh, with a double Wraith Knight uh, and and basically. For really hard to remove uh, bricks of, of, of stuff, and that could play uh, play uh, basically fix secondaries uh, assassination and, and Homer, and I just don't have uh, enough time to kill everything. Uh, I could try, uh, but we play tested that we do that. It was like I, I scored like two or three points from that matchup. Uh, to be honest, there's this is a really uh, this is a matchup that really depends on dice. Who goes first? For example, if if my uh, acolytes survive Overwatch or not, uh, it makes all the difference. And uh, it's kind of a random, so we also didn't want to risk that. So because like I got two turns with acolytes not not doing damage because they die from the Overwatch, and then uh, I'm basically. You know, the time is too short to to get points back and so, uh, win the game. What were your scores versus Eldar? Like, um, uh, 15 and 16 uh, or something like that. Uh, wins or losses? Oh. Wins. wins. Oh. Imagine losing into Eldar. Come on. I uh, know, I know. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> come, come, come on. Last, last, last year I didn't lose. Uh, last year I didn't lose against Eldar. I, I didn't want to lose against yeah. Eldar this time. But so. w- once again, like uh, the Aberrants versus Eldar are a liability. They they do uh, they do nothing and they explode. Um, but yeah. more but yeah. yes, and that was also the case we, uh, that we didn't pick Aberrants because they do shit in this matchup. Yep, correct. All right. Um, up to your list, Pumba. Tell me what you use this list as in your pairings, because this is the um, the Rubik Marine Rhino Magnus T Suns. Mm-hmm. So this list uh, was straight up inspired uh, slash just stolen uh, from Liam VSL, who was uh, who is a team uh, Belgian player uh, slash co captain who came to our practice back then in the middle of uh, July I was still learning the Terminator blob along with Magnus I felt this um, list that I've been running is very binary let's call it Uh, I felt like if it gets a good matchup say against Knights it could absolutely 20-0 them but it's also very volatile and uh, could crumble if paired incorrectly and required a lot of very careful planning in the pairing process to not get that bad matchup. Whereas after seeing Liam play his version without the Terminators and with the, the Rhinos, I felt his approach was way more stable. Still, he had uh, some good matchups, some matchups that he countered, but was overall uh, leaning towards the middle, so as we call it. So leaning towards the 10. Um, 10-10 mark, right? So a, a draw against pretty much anything. And I felt that uh, in case of Thousand Suns and in, with comp- like mm, that just comboed way more with the armies that we have chosen so far. 
then having that opportunity to score huge wins with, for example, the Terminator Blob in my T-Sense. So my list was very much designed to go into Guard, for example, with the three Rhinos, a lot of lone operatives, uh, works great there. Same with Deathwatch. Uh, that list just completely can literally rush Deathwatch. Uh, they kill your Rhinos and then you kill the whole, whole army uh, in return. So that was the two matchups that I was hunting the most. Uh, and other than that, I could play almost anything to a score. I didn't have uh, many super favorable matchups. Uh, I didn't score 20s, but I could also go almost into anything and still bring points for the team. That was the idea behind it. Beautiful. Um, okay, so I'm moving over to the next one. This next one is... Oh, sorry, I, I do notice it was very interesting that you when you dropped off the Terminator. So there was a lot of... I know Team Australia was saying they expected lots and lots of Terminator equivalents. So that being somewhere between Toughness 4, Toughness 6. So covering... Um, you know, uh, Scarab Recall Terminators, Custodies, uh, Lich Guard, things of that nature, multi-wound um, uh, bully blobs, you know, blobs like uh, Wraith Guard in, in this as well. Um, was that something you're specifically trying to dodge? Because there was a lot of armies that do prey on that profile. Uh, that's very much the case, yes. Uh, I feel like if you have the meta that's definitely going to have Warrior Bricks, Lich Guard Blake, Bricks, uh, Custodes, Blobs, those are very uh, profiles that are very difficult to shift, and still everybody has to shift them. There is no way to play 10th edition without being able to actually answer those profiles, and in that very environment, if you get the, a bad matchup with that Terminator Brick in your army, that's just going to fly off the board immediately. Uh, they are nowhere near uh, as durable as like a Warden Brick or a Lich Guard Brick, they do a lot more damage. They are absolutely amazing at like um, opening the game up, smashing it. But if they don't get that certain, uh, if say if you face against Cards Guard, <laughs> yes, that's just liability. All about killing <laughs> um, wardens and guardians. That Terminator Brick is just five hundred dead points. Dead uh, mm. points. It's uh, just a dead weight. So. Um... Mycin, you guys have said a lot about how you wanted to pin Custodies. So if you thought Custodies were so pinnable, why did you take them? And what was different about your Custodies list to, say, the more conventional ones? So, uh, first of all, uh, after first test with Custodies, because we started including tanks, uh, like Caladuses in the, in the list, and first tests was, were uh, played with... Uh, Tanks included, like uh, I, I guess Team England got uh, uh, tanks, uh, still got tanks on the list. So after having a couple of tests, uh, we just dropped them. We thought because they were all just not useful in the meta game. Castellis uh, were still a, a very good army, so we just uh, needed to learn uh, and play test uh, a couple of matchups uh, that open up Castellis uh, uh, like. Custodies versus GSC, uh, because uh, we found out that this is kind of a drawish matchup uh, with GSC advantage. But if a GSC player makes a, a small mistake, there's, then Custodies just can just rush over the board and and, uh, and kill GSC and just just win the win the game. And it happened during uh, WTC. Uh, 
it's still the top army. So uh, we just knew that uh, we couldn't afford to, to, to have them pinned. So we have the second defender, like Necrons. Uh, so in case our opponents got two pins for Custodies, we used Necrons as, as uh, a first defender. That was basically our approach uh, here. And then try to use the first like um, pairing, first pairings to get Custodies unpinned so they can do, do their job yeah. later. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And getting them unpinned, you know, unleashes the weapon again. Now now you have a good weapon list all of a sudden. Um, Pumba, tell us about the Tau in your list. Was this your eighth list? Was this the one you guys um, put in last? And why did you take Tau over, say, uh, Chaos Space Marines, Knights, um, Orcs, etc.? Yeah, so that was the eighth pick, uh, very much the case. Uh, the list came about after, again, up where the Scots just performed incredibly well with it. Uh, they also brought the list to the, the uh, WTC. Uh, we have previously been testing CSM, but we're very unimpressed with it. Uh, we didn't find it. Uh, it actually opened up any matchups. It wasn't a useful tool in the pairing, pairings process. It didn't really do anything for us there. So we tried as hard as we could to find some replacement for that. The Tau impressed there as uh, something that people would be definitely unprepared for, uh, that can legitimately deal just incredible amount of damage if yeah. you yeah. disrespect it. Well, it, it's kind of funny you compare it to Chaos Space Marines, because it's got a lot of very similar tools. The Crisis Units and Obliterators operate very similar ways, but with slightly different profiles. Um, I do think you know, uh, the damage output from both can be absolutely stupid, but the ceiling on six battlesuits and what they can do with Kalyon is freaking disgusting, man. I've, <laughs> I've seen people lose, like, a thousand points to that unit in a turn. Um, and the broadsides are just, like, just good. They're just, like, good. Um, but anyway, sorry, keep going. That's Yeah, that's very much the case. Um, however, the Tau actually, I find, has way more um, chaff in the list. Their trash is just better, in my opinion. Whereas uh, CSM need to deploy things like raptors or possibly allied demons, which we kind of wanted to take with my uh, T-Sons already. They lack this um, profile of a unit that can just score you points, which can, is so crucial in both 9th and now 10th edition. Can everyone just like appreciate how stupid uh, Tetris are? Like, for what you get... Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> like, like, just 80 points for two? The amount of durability, wounds, and then utility and mission play for 80 points is just kind of disgusting. And I think that... They are absolutely incredible. They're, like, it's, they're easily the best thing in the book. You would take six by two if they were battle line. You would take 20 if they if you could. They are just that much value. Um yeah, anyway. Um, I think we are pushing it, but yes. Generally uh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. 20, 20 is, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but you get the idea. It's funny. Of course. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, how, did yes, you guys use, how did you guys use your towel in the pairings? What was their role? Mm, so generally, I must admit, I think the towel turned out to be a bad choice overall. I think, uh, have we found uh, the orc list, for example, that worked better? Uh, something like the Team USA were, were running at the tournament? Or have we found um, maybe a Chaos Knights list with 13 War Dogs? 
that actually uh, worked better, I think that would have been preferable choice to the Tau. I think what held our Tau back mainly was the fact that our player literally got the army to test uh, two weeks before the submission, something like that, just after the Perakab. At the Perakab, he was still playing Turnits. That was also one of the options that we heavily uh, discussed as bringing as our eighth choice. But yeah, uh, we decided on the Tau because of the Perakab, but I think um, some of the matchups that Tau got could have been easily improved by just playing the shit out of them. Um, say the Space Marine matchup. I think that's very much doable that this uh, matchup always goes to Tau. It, it would just uh, require enough practice and testing extensively to achieve that. And you, we just didn't have enough time for that. Yeah. So even even with all your prep, I love that you still have that story. We were scrambling for the eighth pick and uh, we didn't get a bad choice, but there was a better choice it, had, had you found it. And um, so, Myson, when you say you didn't find the list or you didn't come across it, is that just simply like there were just so many 10th edition options for this eighth slot that you found one you were happy with and just went with it? And had you like, is that all it is? Like you didn't didn't have the point of discovery to see that there was this orc list, there was this chaos, uh, knights list, et cetera, et cetera? I think it just comes up to, to our uh, community size because we just didn't have uh, enough uh, manpower to test out every option. So we don't have uh, uh, one really, really good player for every, every army. Uh, our players need to uh, analyze one to three armies at the same time. And uh, we just... Uh, Play tested orcs, of course. We found out some solutions, but none of them worked, and uh, we just didn't uh, find uh, didn't find the build that Americans uh, came up with, and uh, we just missed that. And uh, we were, we were, to be honest, we are just not prepared for for or for their orcs. Mm-hmm. So generally, I think this is true for every single team. I think it's straight up impossible to find the best option always. <laughs> what you are doing is trying to make a cohesive team comp. And as many people like, we can say our tower was not optimal, for example, but we had the guards, which performed amazing, and like our Dark Angels list, whereas uh, I think people would be very disappointed with the performance of the Death Watch, right? So I think every single team has the story of something they... Correct. Uh, learned at the WTC that would have been a better option this, for them. And, and, and we have the same thing. Ex- exactly right. And I love I love that even the best best team at the event, undeniable best team at the event, still had a story of look, 10th edition was really new. We didn't find we didn't find the perfect one, but we found one that worked well enough that you won the event. I think it's a great story because people I, I, and I know people personally who will obsess about having to have the perfect list, the right list, the right missions, the right enhancements, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and it turns out you just need the one that works. And there, are, there are several like you know keys that will fit that you know unlock that door for your team. Uh, all right, let's talk about your matchups. So, people who do not know at home, the WTC is scored on a twenty-nil metric. So when you play your game after you finished, you look at how many points differential you have beaten 
or lost the game by, and then you put it into a little matrix, and then you'll have a, a number out of 20 for how many points you, uh, how, how you've won or lost the game. You start at the 10, 10, 0, 0, and every increment of 5 um, that you've won or lost the game up goes, brings your their score up by 1 and your score down by 1. So you'll start at 10, 10, 0. If they beat you by 5 points, it'll be 11, 9 to them. Uh, another 5 is 12, 8, etc., etc. To get a 20-0 win, you have to have won or, been, or scored 51 points more than your opponent, just to break it down. And then you add those scores up, and that's your team score. So a team can score 160 points for a round because there's eight individual games. It's 8 versus 8. Um, and so 160 is... You you have if you've scored 160 points, they didn't get a point, and you've done something terrible to them, and you should apologize. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm kind of now curious if that has ever happened in know. any WTC. I don't, I don't know if it is. But so to win a round, you have to score 86 points. Your team has to score 86 points, and then and therefore you are 10 points more than your opposition, and you have won the round. Um, 86 to 95 is generally a smallish win. 95, 105 uh, is a good medium win. Anything above 110, you've you've kicked their ass. You, you've you've hurt you've 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 hurt them badly. Um, so your first round, who did you play, and how did it go? And this was a very interesting one because this is the first time these guys were ever attending the event. So they could have been a bit of a spoiler. But tell us about your round versus South Africa. Yeah, that was uh, South Africa. We were very happy to play them. Actually, um, their coach Carl Grandi. Uh, who I know from attending UKTC events as a judge, who is a good friend of mine. I knew he was uh, the coach for the team. So I was very excited to see how they perform as a completely uh, new team, as a newcomer. And generally, talking after the games with them, but also with everybody from our team, we were so incredibly impressed by them. And I mean this genuinely. Uh, I could have never expected a freshly formed newcomer team to put up such a great showing to have so much uh, game knowledge uh, great um, play by intent uh, great uh, positioning great uh, mistake like um, great uh, <laughs> sorry uh, basically their behavior at the tables didn't suggest that they this is their first WTC yeah. at all, yeah. is what I'm saying. It's just incredible to me that a completely new team can show such level of professionalism at the tables, at the pairing table. Overall, it was a pleasure to play them. Wonderful. Uh, you did get a significant win. You got 119 points there. Um, who did you play round two? That was uh, Wales. Yeah. Uh, that was a well-established team. Uh, but we were, as the group stages, you know, way in advance before the round Correct. begins. I think we were genuinely very prepared for the, our pod. We were the tier, um, like seed one, tier one team in that pod. So we were expecting to mm. perform great, and we just prepared the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah. um, Myson, you able to ex- explain the pod stage for us? Um, how does the seeding work for people at home? You might be a little curious. So well, basically, there are four, four groups of, of uh, teams. There are tier uh, based basically based on tiers. Uh, so you got uh, uh, the, the historically the best teams in one group, then the second best, and the third best, and the fourth. And uh, every pot got uh, one team from every uh, every box basically. 
Uh, it was fully randomized, uh, but uh, for example, we couldn't play, uh, Poland couldn't play against Germany or USA or England uh, in a pot phase because we are all in one basket. So, Yeah, so the pods are meant to a little bit smooth out the curve, uh, kind of allow the, the event to progress uh, more uh, steadily, let's say, so you don't have a round one, round two uh, finals, kind of, right? It, Yeah, it also gives the, which is, I think, worth mentioning, gives the newer or less experienced or um, maybe aspiring teams to have a shot at beating some of the uh, main competitors for the title, and I think this also gives them a fair chance, right? Because if, say, we just um, play one team of like tier four, our newcomer team, and then immediately uh, go on to face uh, USA, for example, we might never face another uh, less experienced, for example, team ever again. And now you have the opportunity for every team from the lower uh, seeds to still face us. Exactly right. Uh, and, during the first two days. And you know that in your pod, you're going to have a very, uh, like you said, a smooth bell curve of matchups. And also, you know them in advance. So if you are one of the newer teams, you can spend a lot of time unpacking and getting your pairings perfect into teams that you know are you know uh, equal, a little bit better, or much better than you, for example. And so you, sometimes you see some absolute set, um, upsets, and it's really, really excellent um, to see. And then other times, um, you see people who are just getting a really good sample size of what to expect from the WTC because of the pod stage. Um, and last one in your pod was Finland. How did this one go? Uh, very much correct. Uh, still kind of as planned. I think this pod stage generally has proven to us that we are extremely well prepared. Uh, our um, estimations more or less work. Our philosophy of doing the pairings and our pins, as we've discussed, are working properly, and people maybe are not expecting everybody everything that's happening. Um, so it generally made us sure that we are on track to beat the best teams at the event. Fantastic, um, uh, Myson. Uh, you were doing a lot of the pairings. You, I saw you at the pairings table doing a lot of the data entry and stuff. At this point of the event, have you learned anything about how teams are pairings or how people are using certain factions? Uh, I think that mostly uh, most conclusions was, were just um, correct with our our estimations before. Uh, I don't think we uh, found out find found out something new for us. Uh, correct me if, if I'm wrong, Uba. Uh, but uh, I think basically this time we didn't fix many uh, of our estimations. Yeah, which was a big difference from our uh, last year where we actually drew Belgium in the group stage and had to completely uh, rethink some of our um, foundations for the rest of the event uh, based on that result. Excellent. And, and it was, uh, I mean, team, team Belgium, it's funny how people start, like, uh, teams start to get uh, a flavor or a thing that they're famous for, because Team Belgium right. uh, did the same thing to Team Australia. Yep. <laughs> it's just, just like, they're the giant killers. They're the... They're exactly. The, yeah. They, they don't, they, they have a great uppercut, but a less, like, punch, punching up, phenomenal, punching down, not as good, because they drew New Zealand and Australia, and 
Um, Australia, like, uh, did, you know, beat New Zealand quite convincingly. And then they both draw to the same team because Belgium has put an enormous amount of prep and effort into Team Australia and not as much into Team New Zealand. And I just find that such a funny story. And so I think that is very much what happened last yeah. year as well, which is just wonderful to see, actually, that they've kept uh, their... Uh, David versus the Goliath yes, status. I, I think it's so good that especially national teams having an identity like that, having a thing they're famous for on the world stage, I think is only good for the game. Um, all right. So uh, the the round four, and it's safe to say you are into the, the shark pool now because you're up against Team Sweden, who had one of the had the best year I think they'd had in what, a decade? At least, I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there used to be a complete powerhouse. Yeah, and now it was very nice to see them back at the top tables. Mm. Uh, this was one hundred and three to fifty-seven, so a medium win out of this one. Um, any any big stories from this round? I think we basically <laughs> paired pretty well. Uh, I think the main thing was the that uh, one of the things that we very much prepared for is as we've discussed our custodies was were supposed to be the first defender maybe second defender right um and because of that we expected them to get bust or kind of right you need to be prepared for the fact that if they get first defender they might just get Eldari for example GSC as the attacker and we would take we we have established very early on that we take this, those anytime. That the opportunity to get that pairing into custodies on their table choice is massive. It opens up the table so much that you do that every time. Because of that, uh, Victor and Myson has pra- have practiced the GSC matchup to an incredible extent. Um, so Victor was so practiced into GSC that even though every single time um, that he paired against it, it was uh, written as a small loss for him. He sometimes, as a match with Sweden showed, uh, was able to completely smash it to he, the other person's side of the field. He 18 to them. That is very much correct. The, I'm just looking at it right now. So the two the two big stories here is Tomas, uh, Necrons versus Eldari. Was, he got eight points, so did not get blown out. Very close game. And then... Uh, your Eldari got 16, so you got four more points than theirs. And then your GSC got 16, their GSC got two. So huge swings in the two best factions, you know, agreed upon factions in the game, getting, you know, very much below par. And that was what we're talking about, pinning, mitigating, and everyone having a plan into these. And that was perfectly demonstrated. All right, next round is up against who? The big one. This the is the US of A. Yes, this was the draw. 7981. I if you can go and watch this game. I streamed <laughs> this I streamed this uh round and man it was uh a big deal. So um Myson, where did the pairings go wrong? Because I think you all admitted the pairings didn't go amazingly. Yeah, so there are two points uh here. So first of all, we didn't discover orcs on time, and we didn't expect them to uh, just defend with orcs as f- first first defender. And when we realized what happened, it just uh, was, we were like, "Okay, this is going to be tough. This is really going to be tough uh, to to recover from 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 that uh, first pairing." And 
basically, yeah. Now, this is the first thing, and the second thing that happens is uh, uh, my personal wrong estimation against, against Terranids, uh, because yeah, we didn't have enough time to, to play this it properly, and it came out that uh, Terranids, Maiden's uh, Terranids played perfectly, can just uh, uh, wreck GCL cult. And I got this uh, marked as a, uh, a small win for, for me, and I just played a really, really wrong game with wrong, wrong estimation, with wrong assumptions. So this was a flip, uh, a classical flip that we do, but you know, the other, on the other side. So you know, fortunately, our our mirror Aldari uh, came up to the, for for our advantage. So, so we managed to, to, to recover some points from that, but basically this, there was a flip and there was something that we didn't have an uh, answer for. So let me set the stage. Uh, I'm streaming this game, so I'm very aware. I'm walking around, I'm talking to captains, I'm talking, so I'm talking to coaches, not talking to captains. Um, and uh, your coaches are like are so, trying to be so stoic about how bad you guys think it is going. So, Because not only do you think the pairings have gone a little bit poorly, but then in seven out of eight tables, Australia has, uh, sorry, America has rolled and have the first turn. And this is the four objective mission. This is the one where you can just be like, your opponent gets no primary for the first. It, I'm correct, yeah. This was the four objective mission. You remove yes. the center one. Yeah. It's yeah. so swingy. And I believe um, with a pressure list, with uh, a, a list that can pressure primary, you can just push your opponent out of the game. And it's much more... Uh, there are much more 20 zeros, big wins and big losses on this than many other missions. Um, at least that's yeah, what yeah, go, go, I, I'm still pulling, yeah, I'm still pulling orcs, uh, Lucas <laughs> rolls orcs out of my ass. Like, legitimately, <laughs> holy shit, that was brutal. <laughs> so, yeah, go, yeah go, going first in this mission is really, really. But something amazing happened at this table. Something incredible happened for Team Poland. Um, you guys were losing. And getting losing badly for so there are four hour rounds at the WTC, and I would say for about three hours and ten minutes of the four hours, everyone on Team Poland thought they were losing, and they were the reason that you were losing, because <laughs> so maybe not Skark, but uh, everyone thought, everyone thought this is going badly. I need to get more points. I need to get more points. I need to do better. And then this incredible thing happened in the last forty five minutes where like you guys self-manifested more points we're just like willed more points into existence and from losing on almost every on every table going poorly against you like swinging against you you ended up being on the winning side of the draw it ended up being 79 81 so poland actually got the top of the draw as we would say um and then after that it was almost like you guys leveled up you went to a new level of competition a new level of like you got activated by this because for the rest of the event you guys were untouchable like un- yeah, unshakable uh, tell, tell tell me about this because this is an incredible thing pumba uh legitimately as as a team captain i just must take responsibility here here i think we straight up got out paired and i must like uh give credit to team usa who were the only team at the whole event who I felt as have just got perfect data almost. They fe- 
pairing against them felt like they had our tables before them and avoided every pin we've set up perfectly so that we have no good options after the first um, kind of bump being the orcs defending. Uh, the fact that we didn't have anything solid prepared against them. And after that, they just literally never gave up anything in the, in the pairings. So that was just incredible to see for me. Uh, no other team during that seven rounds have done anything remotely close to that. So enormous props to them. Um, however, I think this round also just showed us how good we fucking are at this game. Yeah, boy. I mean, that's what you can take away from that. I, I like... If, if absolutely, I cannot besmirch you that feeling of being like, "Hey, chips are down," and you proved your resilience, tenacity, and how skillful your players are because you all, as a whole, eight pack of players and coaches as a team, dug up, dug yourself up out of the hole that the pairings put you in, and it was it was as much as I love everybody on Team America, I love everybody on Team Poland. It was amazing to see a team just like hive mind connect and be like, yo, we can do this. Just a couple of points, just a couple of points from all of us, and we got this. And you did. You freaking did it. It was pretty impressive. It was uh, it was one of it the was, most impressive things I've seen. Yeah. Uh, huge props to our uh, team of coaches, which mm. we really liked last year. This year, they, the ex this round just showed us also how um, amazing these guys are. Yeah. Like, uh, Everett, who was our main coach, has yep. been on top of every single matchup mm. during that round, telling every single one of us if uh, where the points needs to be kept, uh, that the push is necessarily, if uh, whenever possible, who can actually mm. um, accomplish that. Yep. He's been on top of it and just relaying information perfectly across all tables. Incredible. Um, I, there was a very, <laughs> very funny moment. Because, like, I go and I talk to the coaches and I try and get an idea of how things are going. And um, so I start talking to one coach. Uh, I, don't, I can't remember his name, but he's the taller gentleman who's wearing a hat. Um, and then yep, that's ever that's our head coach. Yeah, but then another coach walks over. This gentleman is the gentleman with the braces um, on his teeth, and um, yep, he, he's, he's essentially making sure that Everett doesn't say too much. <laughs> so I'm talking, to, I'm talking to Everett, and Everett's looking at him, being like, and I'm like, uh, so how do you feel like the pairings went? And then I'm, and then the other guy walks up, I'm like, uh, can I help you? And he's like, uh, no. And I'm like, okay, are you just uh, like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's just like, I'm making sure he doesn't say too much. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm just gonna start. <laughs> I'm just gonna start talking to you because that's what I want to know. I'm like, what is he not supposed that's, to say? And I start talking to the other bloke, like, what don't you want Awful. him to say? Like, because that's what I want to know. And that he's just like, awesome. he's like uh, a little bit uncomfortable with the pressure. <laughs> Because I'm like, I'm, awesome. I'm stuck really. It was funny as hell. It was like real yeah. Polish, uh, stoic, like <laughs> face impassive, give nothing away. It was really funny. Um, all right. Yeah. So generally, a huge props to the team for just carrying the skill out of that. I think it also just made us fly. Like this round, actually drawing that after the pairings goes went south. It's for me just just. Imagine the situation where you are coming against people who are doing 40k professionally as their full-time job, and you're just a guy from Poland with a like normal eight-hour job, 
a family, a child, you do, uh, sometimes plays on the weekend and you practice uh, sometimes uh, in the evenings and you are able to just absolutely be on the same level as him on the table or even better. It's it's incredible to me that uh, the guys just pulled it off mm. uh, to such an extent. It's extremely, it's extremely validating. All right, uh, last day up first is Team Spain. Um, Amasin, any stories from this round? Uh, so well, he's, basically, we knew know uh, Spanish guys uh, quite well because you, this was actually one of our uh, most frequent partner team uh, team that we scream against uh, on TTS and uh, on various occasions like uh, TTS tournaments and, and stuff. So we had uh, we know that we knew uh, that they will be a challenge for us. Uh, so because they managed to to draw or even if i remember correctly there was a win uh, against our team uh you know one of our screams uh so we needed to prepare ourselves and we did uh, a lot of uh, work uh, evening before just to make sure that our table is correct and uh, to make sure that we have a plan uh because from estimations uh there was uh, a lot. The estimations uh, just showed us that there will, there will be a problem here. So we needed to, to stay focused and we needed to, because at this point, uh, both us and Team USA got, uh, got the same uh, same scores. So, but they were ahead of us by 13 points, uh, uh, battle, 13 battle points. So we needed to work uh hard to in case they win all yeah they 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 win two match matchups we win two matchups we needed to just gain points uh so here uh i think the pairings went really good because we avoided uh, uh a couple of, of of problems uh i managed to pair into uh the eldari and we already knew that that GSC is uh, can because their their Aldar list was uh, more focused on um, anti tank shooting, like including pre ravagers, and uh, I knew that th this is a list that easily give up um, points, bring it down, so I could play fixed fixed uh, secondaries. So this was a matchup that that uh, I knew that I can win, especially on this mission when you score, uh, which is really really good for uh, GCL cults. Uh, like scoring at the end of the game, yeah. Points, you get the you get the points. fifteen points at the at the bottom of turn and stuff like that. And yeah. you fifteen so, five their Eldar. That is a big blowout. Yeah, and so I managed, uh, and it was the best game in the tournament for me. Mm. Uh, I mean, for the best opponent I, I I got in terms of playing by intent and being yeah. nice on the table. Superb, great, really great man, Manu, the best guy in the tournament for sure, at least for me. And also, there is a story behind uh, uh, Scar game against Genesteel Cults. Yeah, oh, this was the game that he, <laughs> he basically tabled Genesteel Cults. How do you? So I, I know how this happened, but how do you table Genesteel Cults, everybody? 
You uh, should. I, really? I, I, I never. <laughs> no, no one ever managed to has, say has me. performed this feat yet. No, yeah, that uh, yeah, so, Apparently, I you really drive your cannons and hellhounds yeah, yeah. all forward yeah. and just he, literally he table was, them. He was pushing with his basilisks and his manticores and stuff, to, and, yep. and, and then sentinels and blocking off the table from blips, um, whilst Checks out. just like obliterating everything. It is so dumb to think that that actually is something that happened. <laughs> uh, Checks also, out. also, also, to be fair, this was a matchup, the second uh, matchup that we played with Skark a lot of times, like uh, we analyzed it every potential move, and uh, Skark list was designed to get points from Chinsteel cards. Uh, Hellhounds are really a problem for GSC. Uh, yes, and uh, Astropath just blocks one uh, one fragment of, of, of the board from uh, deep striking, which is really good in this matchup. Uh, it's still from our estimations. It's still uh, it still was a small lose, if I remember correctly. Uh, but to be honest, list with aberrance doesn't have mean to, uh, to to just win this matchup. And oh, that that's why also we decided finally to go without uh, aberrance, just to have more board presence and just spawn the board with no fights. And then there's not enough artillery to. Get rid of that. Yeah. Uh, all of the stuff. All right. So last round, Poland versus Team England. Now, this is also on stream if anybody wants to see it over on War Games Live. Um, and it was a really interesting discussion uh, about putting on Team Poland or Team USA. But um, the fact is that Poland was in the driver's seat. And as long as Poland won, because USA had had another draw, US had two draws, Poland was the only team that if they won, undeniably 100%, they won the event. Um, and a lot of people may question why we didn't go with, you know, the US team for the US audience. But for the broadcasting the most important game at the round and what was right for the event and what was right for the WTC was to put Poland on. And I back that decision every time. I have had a few people question me on it and I'm like, shut up. This was the right call. You don't, you don't have a say. Um, England, I know after, as soon as the pairings were finished, because I was sat there watching the pairings, they thought they had lost. Was that the same and feeling? I think we knew we won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it was four. You would not, <laughs> not believe my relief yeah. when I saw first Defender Custodies mm. in the third finals. Something that we have prepared yeah. months for. Months of yeah. prep went into the fact that this is just never going to work against us. Yeah. And yep. it's just happened in the finals. And I just walked and straight I'm into it. And I'm already over the moon. Yeah. Um, and just 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 before the pairings, there was a funny a funny discussion. I had a funny discussion with Pumba. I just asked Pumba, what if they really put Castellis as the first defender? Pumba was like, nah, it, it will never happen, brother. No fucking way. <laughs> it will never happen. <laughs> and imagine our my face when they put the first card at mm. Castellis. And it was like, 
that was a complete shocker. There were some very close games here. Um, yourself, uh, Myson, into the, uh, Alex Harrison's Aston Militarum, 11-9. Very, very, very close. Same thing for Mike Porter into Tomas's Necrons, 11-9 against. But then there were some big ones. Duda getting a 20 on uh, the Tyranids. Um, Skark getting a 20 on the Custodes. Huge, huge, huge wins. And then um, and even actually just getting three points out of the loss versus uh, Manny Chima's Eldari. These are all big deals. Um, what was the story of this one? Or was it just like all one in the pairings and then just go through the motion for four hours to get the result? It, I don't want to sound too cocky. You lay, you lay as much smackdown as you want. Like you go for <laughs> it if you want, mate. This is, but this is, yeah. it's really, after the pairings, it really felt like we had it. We only needed to do the bare minimum to execute the plan that we've learned throughout the last year of preparation, uh, months of preparation to the uh, event, the testing that we've done in the previous weeks, and what we've learned at the event itself. It just needed to be executed to the to Polish the, standard. Yeah, to the data. <laughs> yeah, you just you just produce the number exactly. you gave on the data and everything was gonna be okay. And gotta say uh, basically okay. I can I can tell about uh, about my matchup matchup what um, how did it look like? Uh so Jinsu Kals versus Astrom Militarum. I knew that if I go second it'll be ten up and if I go first it would be fifteen up. So when not going to going to going second I'm just informed our coaches Okay, it will be ten up uh, because I lost two rollers for infiltration and for uh, <clears throat> for first turn, and at the other tables were you know, played based the same same way. So we just delivered information to coaches. We got uh, like coaches did uh, estimation, life estimation of points, and everything was just went smoothly. Uh, no surprises here just according to the plan and our estimation. Yeah, it really felt like they sacrificed a lot to get... Um, this is something that I've mentioned previously, uh, that the pairings of your Erdari might actually be difficult, in a sense, right? Because you're trying to get the best, best matchup possible for them to score big. And it uh, felt a little bit like they sacrificed a lot during the process to position their Elder for the best win. And where their Eldar did perform amazingly, uh, scoring a 17 against our Dark Angels. As I've said previously, it felt like they sacrificed a lot of armies. To get that. that. Okay. Exactly. Interesting. So that is the event. That is all seven rounds of the Polish run to the... I guess the, the first first place in nine years. Now there is one. We're going to talk about two topics. Um, I did. I was going to talk about what we what you would do differently and and why, but you've already mentioned a lot of that. There's one man I have not mentioned very much yet, and his list we did not go into. So there is a, there is a term in this world, so in our game called having a named player, somebody who has a name, somebody who has a bit of a uh, a panache about them or a bit of something. And I think the whole world has done this gentleman a disservice, and it's time to remedy it. There's a man named Jacob who plays for Team Poland, or he goes by the, the pseudonym Skark as his kind of nickname. He has played in every single ETC or WTC. ETC was what the WTC used to be called. Um, he's played in every single one, to my knowledge. Is that correct, boys? 
That is very much correct. So he has been good enough over, um, what, 15 years? 14 years? 15 years? Something about that. Yeah. 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 To play, that's, that's a good estimate. To play for Team Poland, the best, most winning nation at this level, at the international level of 40K, he has been good enough to play for that team every single year that he has run for 15, 16 years, whatever it is he is. This guy has the, has the most number one places. He has more number one places than most other countries have. Just him. This guy is an absolute legend of the community. I believe he is the GOAT of international level 40K, if not one of the best players of all time or the best player of all time. And it is about time the rest of the world knew about this guy. He is a behemoth, a juggernaut, and he is one of a kind. Can you guys tell me a little bit about Skark? Because I have this joke in my head that um and and this is this is a way that I look at pairings the the most basic way that you can do pairings is to just pair for the opponent pair pair so pair for the list list versus list and then it's list versus list with table pick list versus list with table pick plus mission list versus list with table pick mission um and then player skill at this event Skark was playing Ashton Militarum, but everyone treated him like he was another Eldar player and was just like we're not going to bother <laughs> <laughs> he's a 20 <laughs> because he is and just has that level of legacy in the game. Tell me about this guy. What, what can you guys tell me about Skark? What can you tell people at home about Skark? Cause it's about freaking time. This guy came and was recognized by the world. So, uh, Skark is, has been playing the game longer than I live. And that is not actually a hyperbole. That is very much a factual truth. Um, he, as you've mentioned, has been to every single uh, ETC. Uh, he has multiple titles. Uh, he's been attending uh, Polish uh, GTs for the past 20-something years. Uh, he has a very certain playstyle that everybody who plays him will know by now. Uh, he is a very... Um, he has a very mathematical style of playing the game. He loves his gun lines, basically. He is the, the without a doubt, 100%, the best uh, SFA SAF player, which would be shooting army from hell player. Yep, yep. Uh, an old <laughs> acronym of an army like MSU. Um, an army that just is supposed to get you off the board as quickly as possible using shooting units. And this year has proven, once again, that he's the best at it, period. Uh, as a team captain, I was very much not convinced at first that Guard is the correct pick for the team. Uh, Guard has not been putting international results. It hasn't been uh, particularly strong in the meta for any reason. And still, he just kept going with his list idea and found the build that literally won WTC. Uh, and I think treating him as another other Eldari player is an understatement because none of the Eldari has scored so highly as that one guard list. But, uh, so I, I guess it was more of an analogy, and you're absolutely <laughs> right. It was like, we're not going to try and beat this player yeah, because yeah. it's Skark and there's no point. We're just going to give them the smallest win we can and move on. And that is that just... Is power that is just power in your lineup absolutely sheer intimidation like 
it doesn't matter what we try and do to this guy. He's going to probably win. So let's not bother and try and get the points elsewhere. Um, is that, to, is that a, a, everything I've said? Is that fair to say, Myson? Uh, yeah, basically, yeah. I agree totally with Pumba here. Skark, uh, Skark currently is a legend uh, in our community and inter- international community. Uh, for example, when I was uh, at French War Game Day tournament, I just came uh, had uh, some discussions, and uh, one guy from Fr- France just asked me how how Skark is doing. Is and he called him the best list designer uh, in in the entire 40k community. And basically, this this uh, this is something that that uh, I could. Just sign up, and I agree one hundred percent that Skark designs really, really good lists. When, when in the current meta game there is a shooting list, a gunline list that can decimate anything, Skark will find out this list, playtest it, and then improve it because the, this is not the f- first version of the list. It you know, for a month the list improved. Uh, on daily basis, he found out, he identified problems of the first iteration, found something in the codex uh, index that solves it, and then introduced it that in the list. That's 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 why we have hellhounds. That that's why we have this uh, small rapier carriers with last cannons. That it was all on purpose just to make this list perfect. Um, then. Uh, we just use that as a pairing, uh, uh, guys. We just use that weapon uh, to, to to win the games. Yeah, absolutely savage. I, I must also add one thing to that. It is just amazing how humble Skark is. Um, one of the reasons that he's always taken into the team, I feel like, is just that he's unbreakable. He... He sometimes you would not believe that, but every single 40k player sometimes loses games. <laughs> and after he loses a game, even at this national international level, there's no other person that you would rather have in that place because his lack of ego in that moment, his acceptance of a mistake is like none other. Uh he is just the fundament on which the team you can build a team. His experience in the format in playing internationally is invaluable in the sense that it binds the team together. If you have newcomers to the team that may not be used to the stress, to the to what actually happens in your head after, for example, you lose a, a one matchup. Skark is the one that you can always rely on coming back after such situation, and it just makes the team sing in that sense. I yeah, absolutely crazy, absolutely wonderful, and it's just so funny that uh, he presents as just a like regular nerd. He looks like your uncle. It looks like everyone's got an uncle who look, probably he, looks like he Skark. is. He is the <laughs> Polish grandpa. He is. It's so funny. He's the grandpa uh, of the team. We always yeah. call him that. <laughs> I love I love it so much. All right. So this win was very important for Team Poland. Like I said, it's the first time Poland has come first in nine years. Poland is 
world over at the international level regarded as the most successful, most powerful, strongest international 40k uh, nation. So what? But so I just need to point out. Poland's, Poland's regarded as the best in the world and is the measuring stick. Usually, if you have to win the WTC, you are either Poland or you beat Poland. And that's that's usually how it works. So how much does this mean to the, to the nation at home? How much does this mean to Poland? I think it means, means the world. Mm. Uh, legitimately, the, the, the response that we've had from everyone at home has been phenomenal. Uh, it kind of feels like it's. You say that when 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 the UK uh, when England sorry uh, goes to the World Cup the the FIFA World Cup or whatever that it's going home. For this, it felt like it went home finally for us. Uh, with it's it's always um, felt like we were the gatekeeper nation, uh, the one that everybody's scared of. And everybody needs to defeat on their way to the top. But we've just missed the mark slightly so many times by the smallest possible margin. And the fact that we finally made it is massive. Uh, there have been people that have been in the team um, six, seven times, Take Duda, who is a legend. And he has been, I think he's been his seventh uh, ETC slash WTC. And this was his first win. Wow. And it just goes to show just how hard one of these is to win. Um, there is a lot to be said for the fact that in every year, if a team is thinking that they might have a chance at a podium or winning the event, they will prepare for everyone in their pod and Poland. <laughs> and that's usually how it goes. Because if you have a plan for Poland, usually you have a plan for America, USA, France, Germany, uh, Spain, the other core, Sweden now as well, um, the other core powerhouse nation that you usually expect to see at the top of the pile year in, year out. But you always prep for Poland because if you can't beat Poland, you, you can't win the event. And yeah, it seems like there was a bit of like you are the ultimate gatekeeper or the kingmaker, like... Um, Poland is the team that, by beating, you you become the champion. Um, and it's beautiful to see you guys retake that story, retake uh, control of the narrative and be like, you know, we're still Poland. We'll still kick your ass. And uh, there's no taking the shine off us, regardless of how much prep you do. So, uh, Mason, we'll, we'll, we're going to finish the episode. We're going to wrap it up. It's been my great honor, again, to have both of you on uh, for this show. It's, it's really kind of nice to, to have uh, you guys on uh, back, because it was the same too, yeah, back-to-back years. It's uh, really kind of lovely. Um, but, um, Mason, straight off the cuff, are you going to play again next year? Or do you intend to? Uh, yeah. I WTC experience is so addicting, I, I wouldn't drop 40k or I was I was really tired uh, and uh, kind of disappointed with new edition before the event, but now I'm just full of energy and I'm back back to my work. And going to I'm going to tournaments uh, and next year we 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 need to defend the title. That's right. So, so back to back has only ha- ever happened once before, and it was done by Poland. Um, the only ever uh, that was done by no. Germany. Oh, it was just sorry, I apologies. To, uh, apologies, exactly. Guys. It was done by Germany. I yeah. need, to, uh, I need to give the Germans what uh, they deserve. Yeah, that was right. done yeah. by Germany. So, that's right. So our target, our target is three times in a row. No one. No other oh, wow. No one has ever done it, and it could possibly never be done again. But 
Uh, I wish us all the luck. Pumba, are you going for captain again? That's a very difficult question to ask. Like, <laughs> I know, I'm putting um, you on the spot. <laughs> a good, a good like three days after well, the event has concluded. All, all, all I'm pretty much asking was, be, was being has being captain broken you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm gonna be honest. It yeah. was yeah. Uh, just an incredible amount of work. Mm-hmm. I kind of don't know what to do with the the all of the time I've uh, gained regained yeah. from my life. Yeah. Uh, after the and the event has concluded, this is a, uh, it's all been absolutely worth it. Amazing at the end, but I also now very much realize how much work it requires. Yeah, uh, and for well, now I will not make the decision it's, just yet. Uh-huh. I have some time to prepare for that. And please, if you are a member of a team, please thank your captain because they do as much effort as you, plus thirty percent. And you know, only there's only one winning captain. So please thank your captains because they work harder for usually no extra. Um, so yeah, please get behind them. We need them. We need our team. We need our team leaders. On that note, we will sign off and we will be done. Hopefully, you boys are enjoying the glory. Hopefully, there's a parade in Warsaw in your honor. <laughs> Truly, that is exactly how Warhammer works in Poland. Hundred percent. That's how it is everywhere, right? We're all honored as, as as community heroes. But anyway, thank you so much for your effort, guys. Thank you for the phenomenal story and memories you have given to the world. Hopefully, you guys uh, watch back some of the uh, you know years from now. You guys can watch back the uh, the videos and be like, "Ha, we did that stuff," um, and still be extremely proud of yourselves. Myson, you're an absolute champion. Thanks for coming on. Pumba, you're an absolute champion. Thanks for coming on. Anything you guys would like to mention? Any people out there you would like to thank or sing out or sign off by saying thank you to? Please do so. So, yeah, I would like to thank you for great thanks sent to our whole team, uh, including coaches, including media guy. Everyone did their best, and there was, it was really great effort, and uh, our team worked like a single organism. Uh, from the start, from the beginning of the tournament, so even before the tournament in preparation stage to the just final uh, matchups against England, every, everyone did their best and uh, great thanks as a also as a team selector to all of the players all of the coaches they did amazing job and i'm proud that i worked with them basically hell yeah uh pumba yeah i definitely second what myson said i could wax poetics for literally hours about every single member of the team and what they've achieved uh i want to uh do two special mentions uh First one is actually a huge congratulations to my friend Anthony Vanilla, who I felt has put on incredible amounts of work to improving uh, Team USA as an organization. I really felt this tournament that they have become completely reformed as a team. They now felt like a real WTC team coming to fight us on an equal level. They have been amazing to play. As I've said, they've outpaired us. They were prepared on the same level, and it could have been easily them on the top. Um, so I know how much that man, that friend of mine, has put on, uh, how much work he has put on to uh, do that and achieve that. So huge congratulations to him. Um, and the second one is actually Typhus, 
who was not part of the team this year. He was last year's captain. He is the person that I've learned the most from um, in the like whole 40k scene. He has taught basically taught me everything I know about uh, leading a national team uh, and preparing for the event. He has been great help to me. Um, he has been an inspiration, and he laid the foundation for this year's success Amazing. a year ago. Amazing! And we were we are glad that we could actually achieve what he has started. Brilliant and great shout outs. I wanted to, to shout out Typhus as well. He helped me a lot with the stream and a lot he was giving me rolling updates and seeing him like break down and cry when the last results were coming through was legitimately beautiful to see. And it was a wonderful um, moment to know that people who weren't part of the team get to share in some of the success, people, the support staff, the people who've helped you get there. Because I mean, winning a AWTC. <clears throat> Even, like I just said, even for Team freaking Poland, the best in the world, took nine years to put together, to build up, to to establish, to develop the players, the culture, etc. So it takes a lot of hands, a lot of brains, and a lot of work to accomplish. Thank you so much for coming on, boys. It was my great honor to have you on again, and I hope I will always be a champion for getting Polish uh, WTC and Polish 40K recognized on the word stage, because it's been a crime for a long time. Everyone hears about how good Poland is, but no one actually talks to Poland about it, or less until recently. Um, I know when I was first started playing in like 2015, 2016, everyone always talked behind closed hands like, you know, the Polish will do this to you, the Polish will do that to you. And um, <laughs> no one really knew the players, knew the personalities, knew the people and the faces and the stories and the legacies. And I think it's really important that we capture these things for everyone at home. So thank you very much for bringing those to my show. It's been my absolute pleasure and good luck with the uh, 2024 campaign after many months of rest and recuperation. Yeah, like we are talking two weeks maximum. Let's, literally, let's be honest. literally. <laughs> Team selection starts in two hours, boys. Chop, chop, let's go. <laughs> All, it feels like that. Uh, but thank you very much, Adam, for inviting us. Uh, thank you very much for uh, making WTC what it is to some extent for uh, being its ambassador. And thank you so much for recognizing uh, this small country in the middle of Europe as well and just um, actually televising us. And, and uh, I feel a lot of our, a big part of our community is also very thankful for what you are doing. No, no problems, man. I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's only what you, the recognition you guys have earned and deserve. So good night, guys. Take care. We'll see you on part two for a WTC unpack with Jeremy Martino and answering your lovely patron questions, go over to Team Poland 40K over on Facebook and just check out some of the hilarious antics and photos of the boys' adventures, and hopefully you guys will enjoy. Pumba, Mycin, you guys are champions. I'll see you next year. Goodbye, everybody, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under. A content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.